in your head. Thank you, thank you. Hello, hello. My name is Andrea Miller. I am your host of Open Relationships. I'm joined by colleagues Jonas Koffler and Brian Atkins. And we've got an amazing guest today, but just wait for that. We're going to start with a just a little bit of um, cool new discoveries. Uh, Jonas, I'm going to start us off. Does that sound okay? Sure. All right. So we're going to start today with a uh, an article that I just saw in your tango by Margaret Pan. It's a likability study. The title is Fascinating Harvard Study Reveals the Secret to Being Likable. You might say, like, well, why does it matter? Well, the truth is becoming more likable helps improve um, your, you know, your bonding. It can, it's linked often to professional success, physical health and wellness. And so, um, so what I loved about this research is that being likable isn't about being polite um, or being helpful. You don't have to do extra work or you don't even have to have a good sense of humor, right? That can be challenging for some of us. The secret to being more likable based on the Harvard study is asking more questions, which I love because one of the things that I am so passionate about is, especially in relationships, is being more curious, right? Learning to replace judgment with curiosity. It's like the ultimate game changer. It's like the you know ultimate hack. And so the study analyzed thousands of conversations where one group was told to ask like nine questions in 15 minutes. The other group was told to ask fewer than four questions in that same 15 minutes. And what they found, the people that asked more questions got more second dates. They were, they were rated higher as being more likable and so forth. And so it's like, oh my God, it's so easy. It's just hidden in plain sight. But I just want to alert everybody, there is a pet. The order of the questions you ask is important. I have a friend that she's one of my dearest friends. She's amazing. But every now and then we'll be with somebody new and she's just like going in and like asking, like asking the tough questions and people are like, whoa. <laughs> so the important thing here is to, you know, kind of ratchet up a little smartly to ask a little safer questions, get to know each other, build a little more safety and trust. And then, you know, based on the the feedback and, and reaction, go a little deeper. Um, the other thing that I just, I have to drive home in this point, one is it can be dangerous to ask too many why questions. And that's, even if you're not trying to be likable, like if you're talking to your spouse and, and unless your tone is spot on and you start asking why, <laughs> it's like, it's like dot, 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 you dummy, right? So be careful with the why questions or, you know, make them sincere. But the other one that I really want to drive home that was alluded to in this report, but I've seen it in um, misbegotten interviews and and just like feeling cringe, um, you, you know, kind of watching people interact, is when somebody will ask the question and they're not even listening to the answer. It's like, mm-hmm, that's interesting. Mm-hmm, you know, and it's like, then the next question has nothing to do with it, right? My ex-boyfriend used to call that uh, hitting the tennis ball to me. And he would say, you're not hitting the tennis ball back. So like, oh, guilty, learn the hard way. Uh, so I just love this whole business of, and you know, and again, likable, you can say, I don't, I don't really care about being likable. Um, I think most of us do, right? I mean, most of us want to be likable. I do. Having real data, thank you, Harvard, and just this whole business of being genuinely curious. Like so many of us are, we're so focused on ourselves and me, 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 
And the truth is, I mean, this is like, you know, it's like the law of karma, you know, make it about the other person, right? Make it about about them and being open and, and generous, open, open relationships. So anyway, that was my win. I just, I love that. I, I felt like it was just a really good one uh, to share with our audience. Jonas, what do you got? Well, I'll just one quick comment on that. I love the the idea of um, the exercise of asking questions. It's so important because it also <laughs> pulls us out of our own minds and our own mania, if you will, uh, and opens us up to learning, which is so key here, and sharing and growing. So all those things are super important, but it also maps to one of your sort of MOs and uh, raison d'etre, which is <laughs> curiosity, right? Curiosity yep. is a big driver in life, and it's how we um, derive meaning from our relationships, new and old and so forth. And we have to keep that uh, flame lit, if you will. And curiosity is the driver there. So I love that. Well, for me, it's a little different, also steeped in science, but it gets to uh, something that deals with uh, part of what we'll be talking to Jamie about today, which is what the key ingredient is for romantic connection according to science. And this comes by way of an article by our uh, one and only dear sister, Dr. Helen Fisher, uh, where she shares the best ways to inspire the natural stimulant that opens you up for romance. Uh, uh -huh. Any guesses before I get into it? I've got guesses, but go ahead. I mean, is this like a pheromone thing or there, like- there is, Yeah, there are chemicals involved for sure. Uh, I think we have our own set of um, drug dealers inside our brain, if you will. But mm -hmm. the, the biggest pharmaceutical, it. right? In our, it's our nervous system, biggest pharmacy. That's right. That's right. And it, it comes in many forms, but we're really talking about dopamine. How do we activate dopamine? It comes through fun. So we're starting a relationship and for romance to really kindle requires fun. It requires game playing, not the devious games, but the fun, simple game. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and so this takes on many forms, but the nut of it, the essence of it is that fun is actually good for the mind. It's good for the body. And uh, as mentioned, the key driver here is the neurotransmitter dopamine. Uh, and that uh, opens us up for a sense of loving and belonging connection at a very deep uh, physical uh, biochemical level. And so the way that we want to think about orienting toward relationships is by having fun playing games and games that give us a sense of purpose uh, and allow us, you know, back to the curiosity piece to really get to know someone, what makes them tick? How do they think about um, fun and how do they think about engaging and interacting and how do we deepen our bond through the acts of getting to know you, you're doing and trying different things. And so the moments that we are kind of joyful and, and experimenting, experiencing fun, whether it be a bowling in a bowling alley um, if you're fans of the Big Lebowski, which I am, bowling can be a wonderful exercise uh, and a fun, fun lost art. Uh, if you haven't discovered it yet, I, except I'm if you're me and you're terrible at bowling and you're competitive, and then you get really mad. <laughs> 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 except for except for that kind of fun. Every time we go Maybe bowling, that kind I'm of fun. like, you guys bowl, you guys bowl. Yeah. I'll take pictures. I'll eat the well, nachos. But you can observe. <laughs> you can try. You got to put yourself out there. But I think the the thing is that when you engage in these different games. You open yourself up and uh, not only are you willing to be vulnerable right, and to laugh at yourself, um, but you've, you've developed and fostered that bond, foster the human yeah. in a deeper I way. Think it's, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I am glad to hear it, glad that science supports us. I think so many of us know intuitively how fun important uh, how important fun is. I would say as a working mom, um, you know, not to speak for all working moms, but I think for a lot of us, it's like fun is the last thing on our list, right? It's like, got to get the kids fed, got to get the laundry done, got to get, you know, got to get my work done and all that stuff. So I think this is a, it's a great reminder. It's what, it's what I would call uh, actually a need to have, not a nice to have, right? And the other quick thing I'd add, the research that couples that is not only fun, but new experiences, right? You know, so much, and in, in fact, Helen talks about in research that she's conducted, the idea of, of um, doing new things together, even if you've been married for a long time or been with a partner for a long time, you can rekindle those early days of romantic attraction by um, experiencing new things together. I love that, the, the idea of like keeping the child alive, be playful, be funny when you possibly can. Games will open that up mm -hmm. for you. Um, be yeah. educated, find ways to excite your partner, try new things. As you said, novelty is a big driver of relationships. Um, yeah. And it can trigger romance, uh, especially uh -huh. when combined with with things that are a little more dangerous. Uh, I'm not suggesting you go cliff diving. You could, uh, up to you. But then the most important thing I think is also, Andrea, this idea of like being true to yourself, right? We're all children at heart. We forget. Yeah. And that opening yourselves up to play is fundamental to the experience of being human. Yeah. So yeah, uh, lots of, of juice in that article. Thank you, Dr. Helen Fisher. Uh, you can read it on uh, your tango, of course. Love that. Uh, all right. Fun is fun. All right. Well, let's uh, kick off on the main event of our show today and introduce Jamie Bronstein. Jamie is an LCSW licensed relationship therapist, author, and speaker. She's the host of Love Talk Live on LA Talk Radio. Her new book, Manifesting, is a it's a step-by-step -step guide to attracting the love that is meant for you. It's available on Amazon and wherever books are sold. Jamie has a BA in psychology from Boston University, a master's degree from NYU, and certificates in spiritual psychology from the University of Santa Monica. Jamie is based in Los Angeles and lives with her husband and young son. Welcome, Jamie. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to do this. Uh, I was telling you guys before that I most of the podcasts that I do, you know, it's just there's two of us. And so I think it's fun to have a group. So I'm excited. It's the Open Relationships Tribe. Yep. You can't get away from us. <laughs> Uh, so let's kick off. I've got a bunch of questions. Jonas has questions. I bet Brian does. So I'll I'll kick us off because you've got a lot to share. I'd love for you to walk us through the process of manifesting, what it is, how it works, uh, why it's important. Can you just give us that primer? Absolutely. So manifesting is not just a buzzword. It is a real thing. I know we're going to get more into this later. <laughs> When I think of manifesting, I think that it is everything that is out there waiting for you. It's just a matter of doing the work that it takes to make it happen. Our outside experiences are a reflection of our inner reality. So if we are showing up a certain way with a negative, and also manifesting can be negative. You can manifest positive and negative. So mm -hmm. let's talk about if you are showing up with negative narratives and thinking I'm not worthy of love, I'm not capable of love, you will manifest experiences and people and opportunities that will just validate that. 
versus let's talk about the positive manifesting. You want something. You want a new job. You want. I, mean, I talk about relationships. You want a new relationship. You want to make your relationship better. You're going through a breakup or divorce and you just want it to be as easy as possible. Whatever it is that you want to manifest, you it's already there for you. And there are steps. Obviously, my book, it has all the steps in it. And I'll just run through the steps quickly and then we can stop at any of them. But the first step is really to love yourself unconditionally. And we can get more into this later, but it's very important, especially because, like I was saying, our outside experiences are a reflection of our inner reality. So we want to be showing up as our authentic self to bring in that match. The second one is you need to set your intention when you're manifesting. You need to know what you want to manifest in order to manifest. The third is cultivating a stronger intuition. So that means this is a yes or this is a no. And you know right away and you follow that and you're in your integrity always. The next one is to believe and trust that it's going to happen. You have to believe it's going to happen and you have to trust it's going to happen in order for it to happen. You also need to visualize and see it happening. Live as if it's already happening. We can get into any of these things. And then there is surrendering, which it's interesting. I was having, and there's surrender and then there's taking action. But just something, a little note about surrendering. I was having a meeting the other day. It was very interesting. Long story short, but I know you guys like interesting little tidbits. We were talking about... Alcoholics Anonymous versus Gamblers Anonymous, because I have a client who's in Gamblers Anonymous and I went to his 10 year pinning. It was the most, one of my favorite three to four hours of my life. (laughs) Well, it was truly life changing and the most inspirational, beautiful thing. And my colleague who I was having a meeting with, she was saying that she's been to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting and she didn't love it because she felt like it was too religious and they were talking about yeah. surrendering in a different way than I do and a different way than, than get the Gamblers Anonymous do, which is more spiritual, not religious. So when I yeah. say surrender, I'm, I'm not saying take it, I'm doing nothing, you take it over and just like you make this happen, God, universe, spirit, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever you ca- want to call it. Um, but she was saying that Alcoholics Anonymous um, is very religious. And and in that particular meeting she went to, it was more like, I don't really have to do anything. You just, you take it from me. Hmm. So anyhow, so those are the steps. Question. Question about, yeah. about surrendering real quickly. So, so that I understand. I've always found that when I get humbled, I'm like so grateful. Is that, is hum, being humbled, a sense of humility, a feeling of humility and the learning that comes through, is that surrender as well? Yes, it is. Because exactly. When I say surrender, I'm saying I need help. I'm Mm -hmm. asking for help. I don't know everything. I know what I want, but I know that you're going to bring what I need. So it's saying Mm -hmm. I'm going to get out of the way a little bit. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And for, but I I also would say, and then Andrea, I I want to get your perspective on this, you know, in Mm -hmm. a sort of type A culture where we're taught to be stoic and never surrender. Was it Churchill? Never give up, never surrender. <laughs> how does surrender fit in here, right? I mean, we, we've got to keep moving. So how do you sort of, um, uh, how are you able to square those two? Because it seems like certainly in our culture, uh, there are odds. Well, I would say it's not, it's not giving up. It's giving it over. And when I say give it over, it doesn't mean that you're not doing anything. It means you continue to do as much as you can. But like I said, you're just asking for help. It's taking a weight off of your shoulders 
And it's acknowledging that we are not alone in this world. And I know we might talk about loneliness in this podcast. We are truly never alone. We are always held by this greater power. And I understand not everybody needs to believe this or buy into this, and that's totally okay. Um, It's changed my life, and I know it's changed many people's lives that I know to and I've also been I've this has been validated in my life and I've seen it validated in other people's lives to know that we are never alone in your lonely lonely loneliest moments and on your journey to manifest whatever it is to know that you can say I I could use some assistance here yeah there's um there's a great Arnold Schwarzenegger speech who was talking about um to piggyback on kind of what you were saying Jonas like the the idea of the the self-made man or whatever is a fallacy that essentially we all need help that we all need to to be able to like like he said if if people hadn't let him sleep in the gym or if people hadn't given him a place to stay or or whatever it might have been like we all have help and i like not to use the buzzword toxicity or anything but i think like there is a little bit of that in that feeling of the classic stoic man i did this all myself and alone and uh i feel like that can be a part of the surrendering is knowing that you need help or you need a community and you need support sometimes you know yeah it's good to put that myth to rest right it's really good to put that myth to rest and it just it makes me think you know back to the critically important crucible or forge that relationships provide right both i mean for all these reasons um so i love that right because if you if you think you're you know like you're an island and you're gonna thrive haha i got news for you (laughs) uh but i wanna i i i'm gonna just say i'm a fan of manifesting i've done a certain number and you know like manifesting exercises every day i visualize and and it's great um at the same time it can be controversial right so i'd love to see jamie i don't know if you've got any um data to to back up the efficacy or just you know anything to say like hey this is you know i don't know if there's studies but i would just you know for the skeptics out there what do you say to i'm not sure about this this seems a little you know voodoo to me yes well one thing that's so important it's just like getting back to religion i think it's so important to not judge anybody and i think if you're going to be a spiritual person you're going to find it and get to it at some point in your life I mm-hmm. am the last person that's going to make somebody believe or, you know, mm-hmm. and I, everybody, whatever makes them happy is so important. I know that people do find spirituality in their lives when they feel like they need it. Then there's a, a reason they, they think there has to be something more. And, and that's mm-hmm. kind of, that's something called the Course in Miracles. It, it's always like there, there has to be something more. And that's what mm-hmm. manifesting and what I teach is all about. All it is is that you don't have to suffer, that Mm -hmm. you don't have to live a life where you feel like you can't have everything that you desire. Mm -hmm. The only thing that's in between people and what they really want, well, there are a lot of things, but fear, unresolved issues. So to the naysayers, I would say don't knock until you try it. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, do some research into listening to people that you trust as to what manifesting actually is because it sounds like there are some 
maybe younger people, I don't know, yeah. maybe younger people that haven't done the studies, that haven't lived life long enough, that are teaching mm-hmm. these things and maybe teaching not really what manifesting is. And I can just speak for my own life that I see such a huge drastic difference immediately when I am showing up a certain way, thinking a certain way, feeling a certain way. Yeah. My life reflects that. And when I set intentions, um, it happens. But are there, uh, and I get you, I mean, as far as that that energy that we have, I mean, that's how we show up. I, I'm 1000% in alignment. But is there a specific story that you can share in your life for somebody that you've coached that it's like, oh my gosh, you know, we were here and then it was like, wow, like it, of course, of miracles. Like it felt like a miracle. Yes, I will speak very succinctly and concisely because I want to tell you my story and then I do have a client example story. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and by the way, about 10 to 15 years ago, my younger brother, who thought he was my coach, he <laughs> we had dinner one night and he said, Jamie, you tell the longest story. So he coached me. Now I know <laughs> how to tell you. Hey, you're right. And also being in the media and news all the time, I got to speak fast and quickly and to the point. So I'm going to tell two stories very quickly and I can even look at the time right now. So... Anyhow, so my story was I I was born to manifest. I, I'm i a Pisces. I'm a romantic. My name in French means I love, j'aime. My parents have been married for 51 years. So happy. So I was on this earth to find my man. And so from a young age, I I was on my journey. It was like I was doing studies of all these guys. And okay. So what I found is that I saw my friends getting married. And it was so ironic to me. I'm like, I'm the one that wants this the most. But it was almost as if I had too much of a tight grip. I wanted it so badly that now the universe gives us what we focus on. I was focused more on the fear it wasn't going to happen versus allowing it to happen and believing and really seeing it happening. So I had to make that shift into taking out off the tight grip, being in the flow of life, being present, being in my mm-hmm. joy, starting to enjoy life more, and allowing Brian, my husband, to okay. come in and, and surrender. Once I started doing that, it was like four months later that he came into my life, almost seamlessly, and it was so beautiful. So that is my story with my husband and my client. See, I was so concise. That was two minutes. My Maybe even less. My client story is... I mean, I have a lot of client stories, but this one was just beautifully miraculous, um, the timing of it. She had a misbelief that because she wanted to manifest a successful man, good-looking, successful man, but she had a misbelief that the good-looking, successful men don't know how to take care of their women or prioritize them, that every successful, good-looking man is going to not be a good guy. So... I don't have that belief, um, and it's just not true. There are wonderful right, men. Jonas, in the it is not true. <laughs> right? Yes, and successful yes, men, they take care of the ladies. I know that about you guys. That's like, right. I, I've got, you know, two examples right in front of me. And I'm sure your husband also. And oh, my yeah. husband. Oh, yeah. Oh, Sanjay, totally. Oh, we got She's to... like, oh, yeah, also my husband, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Who's that guy? Who are you talking about again? <laughs> we love you, Sanjay. We love you. You're just not on camera right now. That's my point. It wasn't that I wasn't thinking of him. He just wasn't on camera. I could go grab my Brian from downstairs if you want to see an example. Okay. Um, so she had this misbelief. And I'm very 
I'm very intuitive. I don't, I don't plan these things out what my client's homework is or what I, it just comes through me. And so what was coming through me was I, I get, I got this huge sense that she needed to really visually see and really think about models of, cause she could not see it. She's like, no, they don't exist. There's, there's nobody. So through conversations, she already started thinking of maybe two to three couples that actually then, had looking for. So I had her make a collage of couples. Um, some of them she knew. Some, okay, some were famous, let's say, in the limelight. That we don't know what's going on behind closed doors, but she had enough um, information to know that they probably do have a good relationship. And one of the couples, it was really sweet, was actually my spiritual psychology teachers, Ron and Mary Holnick, who are in their 80s. Oh, nice. They've been teaching for 40 years. Her sister took all the courses. Um, she personally did not, but she knew who they were. And so she made this collage of a bunch of couples, and she looked at it every day. And within maybe six weeks, she texted me with a, a picture, and she said, she had, I mean, and the the physicality of this man was literally what she was looking for. Yeah. And she said that he said things to her like he's been looking for her. Oh, and wow. That's that amazing. June. So that was June, uh-huh. almost a year ago. They have now gotten married and have a child. No, oh, that wow. people need to go that fast. They decided. Amy, all right. It works. But it, it I mean, the power of our thoughts become things. So her yeah. shift in believing made changed her life. So how does this relate to the secret? Do you remember the secret from like 20 years ago? Rhonda, I forget her last name. And it, you know, it was Ron? like, like all very, very mysterious looking in the kind of reddish book that had like candle wax dripping on it. Is this the same thing? It's the same exact thing. It's all based on the law of attraction. And I learned about this through spiritual psychology school for three years, plus many other classes I've taken, books. And luckily, we're living in a world now where it's becoming so much more mainstream and there's social media, people talking about it, people getting curious. So I would say we're all like these little ambassadors ambassadors yeah. of, of the law of attraction. That's really what it comes down to. And we all put our own experience and spin on it. Yeah. Can you break down the the law of attraction? Like I, I I'm a little bit unfamiliar on this. Uh, can you can you uh, explain it? Like I'm five. Yeah. So when I was saying that our outside experience is our reflection of our inner reality, it's how we show up. The world will reflect that. So that's why we want to show up as our authentic self, because if we're showing up, let's say relating it back to relationships. Let's say you had some, there was some infidelity in your past relationship, so you couldn't trust. And that was your story. I'm a victim, I can't trust. Well, that's what you're going to manifest. You're gonna keep on manifesting relationships that just validate that you're a victim and you can't trust versus shifting not the negative narrative into positive, but shifting the negative narrative into the truth. I am worthy of love, I can trust, I deserve a relationship that I can trust and I can see it happening. So that's the law of attraction. Okay. And then you it, you literally will manifest that match. So um, I I uh, was doing a little sleuthing on your website. Don't don't worry, I'm not a creepy stalker. <laughs> but I wanted to get to know you before our show. And there was something I found really interesting that has occurred to me many times in the work that I do. Um, 
you your uh, the little section is entitled do you ever do you ever doubt you'll find the one and your bullet says do you feel like you're the repeater you keep picking the same type of guy and it never works out and what immediately came to my mind was and i'm gonna be a little careful here so i i don't want to get a lot of hate mail but you know i'm i'm just trying to keep it real here folks what i've observed with mostly women more women obviously are are victims of domestic abuse some men are, right? Let's face it, they are. But what I've witnessed or what I've observed is a woman will get married to a, an abuser. They'll get divorced. She gets married again. He's an abuser. She's a victim. And rinse and repeat. Maybe they're not even married. Maybe, you know, and you know, marriage isn't the point. But I'm, I've been wondering about this. And I, I say I don't want to get a lot of hate mail. I, I'm not that I'm afraid of it, but whatever. Because it can be a fine line between victim shaming and saying you're attracting the wrong person because something is wrong with you versus saying, you know, you use us like the repeater. You keep attracting, you know, and, and I realize attracting the wrong guy is different than abuse, but they're, you know, it, it it's the same cycle, right? Okay, so I'm, I'm really happy you brought this up because, first of all, and I've done some... I've done some research into um, domestic violence. I spoke about it mm -hmm. on the news a few years ago. Um, and mm -hmm. so I did learn a lot more, and I'm so happy that I got more educated about it because that definitely can be a cycle. Sometimes mm -hmm. it sounds it sounds backwards, but it's what you know of love. If, if you saw it when you were younger, people experience domestic violence um, for many different reasons. But what I have to offer is... The reason why, and in my book, I have seven different dating personas. One of the dating persona is the repeater. And I do believe Man. that, like, there's chameleon, there's the fault finder. We've all experienced most, most of them at some point in our lives. Um, but the repeater, the only reason why you repeat is because you haven't healed what needs to be healed. So mm -hmm. after any type of relationship, whether it's domestic violence or whatever is going on in the relationship where it wasn't ideal... You need to do some work to heal whatever needs to be healed so that mm -hmm. you can actually be intentional and, once again, get what you deserve. Be in a healthy relationship. Have you seen people, have you had clients that were victims of domestic abuse that were able to use your techniques and your coaching and get out of that cycle? Absolutely. I I work a lot with trauma and I help people to know that your past does not need to be a predictor of your future. You don't need to stay in your own jail. You can't help what happened to you, but you can do something. You have a choice to live your the rest of your life in freedom from what happened. I hear you on that. And obviously abuse is a very serious thing, right? Uh, and it takes all kinds of form, whether emotional, physical, or other. Uh, it it deeply saddens me when I have friends who've like you know I'm found myself in this really horrible relationship whether it's a man or woman, um, right. and then they come back six months later having gotten into a new relationship and repeat so they're that repeater archetype that you're describing right maybe there's another angle to this which is that some people are really shitty pardon my French are terrible at finding partners at choosing uh, who to be with right maybe trauma is a big piece of that but the other side of it is that maybe they just haven't figured out what a good partner looks like feels like what that experience is like 
And uh, yeah, but, I know that but don't you think that's the? I mean, but like nobody wants to be with somebody who's abusive, right? So is it the same? Is it? I mean, what you're saying, and I, I, I hear you, Jonas. Part of me can't help but wonder if it's like, but, but it's Jamie's point that they that there's something inside is is broken that causes them to continue to attract the person that will sweep them off their feet, really charming, and then they become like really toxic. Right. It, it, well, and this goes like all through relationships, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, even um, not even romantic ones. Like, uh, from personal experience, um, I had uh, I had daddy issues where yeah. it was um, uh, my dad was the the very uh, loud, wanted to be the the person in the room that everyone notices, you know, all that kind of stuff, uh, along with many other things. But I realized, uh, you know, only in retrospect that throughout my like high school and early college and stuff, I, I kept gravitating towards like befriending guys that were the same type exactly. because it was almost like I was searching for that validation of my father or whatever, you know, and it was like a thing where whether or not it was that specific, but it was literally like, um, oh, I'm repeating this pattern because of this, this internal thing that I've, um, almost manifested right like like in a negative sense where i was like i i want my dad's attention you know or whatever but um yeah like what you're saying to me transcends like all types of relationships that is interesting brian and you're totally right right i was thinking work related you know it's like toxic bosses and all that jazz what did you do i mean how and how old were you like like again a little bit here when you figured out what was going on um I think it was, man, I, it was in college. Um, I mean, maybe even like towards the tail end of college where, yeah. um, uh, yeah, I was moving to New York. Um, and, uh, I was moving with the, the guy who was my father surrogate at that time. Um, and, uh, we were moving across the country and literally the day of the move, I have the U-Haul packed and everything. And the guy is like, yeah, I'm not coming. And wow. so I literally had to, and it was for work for me. So I literally had to go move all the way upstate or not upstate uh, across the, the U S and like on the way I'm, I'm like trying to get a new apartment, like on Craigslist and everything. And, um, not to get too, uh, emotional, but like, you know, my, my dad was the type that like, kind of bailed when I was one okay. not like bailed from the family but family divorce and you know all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um so it, it was one of those things where it was like that was to me a classic like my dad moment and it was like oh my god why do I keep gravitating towards this this is like the fourth guy that's like just like this that's like you know and um so I think you really just like took an aha moment like that where um, it was like, why do I build these nice group of friends that are, are really sweet and, and care about each other? But then there's always the one and they're always the one that's closest to me. And it's like, they're the one that's like toxic. So have you, ch- so have you changed this dynamic? Tell the truth. Oh yeah. Entirely. Uh, entirely. No. Um, we need a sound effects. Uh, we need a clapping yeah, sound yeah, effects. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> here, I'll, I'll clap myself. Yay. No, but that, I mean, that's the main thing. That's so much awareness, right? I mean, right, Jamie, like he's done it. Like you did it. Yes. Yes. And like I was saying, it's almost like you have to hit rock bottom. Not necessarily that you found spirituality at that time because because maybe you're just learning about it now. But there was a point where you said, I've had enough of this. I want to look into this. I want to investigate. 
And yep. as you were talking, I was thinking there was a part of you, maybe perhaps subconsciously, that didn't believe that you deserved to have someone who respected you or something, who wasn't going to abandon you or or leave you. Because it sounds like you had some sort of, and this is like a psychological term, but it, like an um, an anxious attachment. For sure. Uh, For sure. Or whatever. And even with your friendships or relationships. Yeah, that's yeah, thing. yeah, definitely. But that could, yeah, you wanted um, to hit rock bottom, which which you did, and you were like, "I've had enough, and I'm going to investigate." Yeah, and it, it was it was like that moment where it was like, "Okay, um, uh, I'll use fake names, right?" But um, uh, let's say uh, Preston and was my other friend who had always been there for me, and I always got so much out of our relationship back and forth. You know what I mean? And then it was like. Why am I wasting my time with the the Chads of the world when there's like Prestons that I could be like, you know, um, and uh, I, but yeah, I did end up uh, living with Preston and um, uh, for for a time. Um, and, and it was like a great, um, I want to say relationship. Well, yeah, I guess all friendships are relationships. You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah. Um, and uh, still one of my closest friends to this day. So yay, um, Preston. We love you. We love you, Preston. Uh, no, but I love that. Like, I always think of that as, I mean, genuinely and not in a pejorative way. I, you know, I've I've learned the hard way in my life. I mean, that's why I'm so passionate about this stuff. I think of it as growing up emotionally, right? And having the self-awareness to go, this, key, you know, this is a pattern and it keeps happening to me. Now, Jamie, you and I both love that it's not, life isn't happening to me. It's happening for me. Exactly. Right? But if we're in that mentality that victim mentality, nobody likes to be called a, a victim. And again, I want to be a little careful because there are genuine victims that are assaulted and so forth. But this idea of what we keep repeat, like attracting and repeating at a certain point, I, you know, the, the fortunate ones, the, you know, the, the wise ones, I'd say, go like, what's the common denominator? You know, like, uh, it's me. And, and it takes some courage, right? And just, I feel like some back to, uh, Jonas, you were talking about like the humility thing toward the beginning of the show. There is a surrender there. It's like, you know what? I'm doing something that doesn't serve me. And it's causing the chads to, you know, wreak havoc in my life, right? That to me, you're right, Jamie. Liberation, baby. Like you can set yourself free. Yeah. That is it, right? But all, And I always say like, only you can. You got to like, do the work though, right? Only you, you can. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's not easy. Right. Yeah, Is that but that's easy? The... Scary. Can be. Yeah. Yeah. But that's why we love to share these stories that say just, you know, normal people living their lives that are having this heartache and this conflict. Right. And that's in part why I, I like to shine the spotlight on the relate, you know, what we've been calling the relationship crisis in America, because what you just described, Brian, it's uh, impacting young boys and girls teenage boys, teenage men and women, adults, men and women, right? I mean, it is so pervasive. And my strong belief is so much of this is rooted in relationship trauma, right? And you could say, well, it was alcoholism in my family or it was, it was some other form of addiction or abuse. But all that is relation, you know, at the heart of all of it, it's how we expect to be treated and interact with and feeling important and valuable and lovable to the adults in our lives, right? Renee. And so I always feel like, I mean, especially as a parent, yay, woo, yeah, we can do it with people. That's what we're doing here at Open Relationships. We're transforming together. Uh, but I feel like, um, especially as a parent, um, 
you know, I, oh my gosh, I'm close to, uh, you know, a ton of other parents, this whole business of having to reparent ourselves, right, is, is an important one. And how kids, I'd be curious, Jamie, if you feel like, you know, and I, I realize you only have one child, so feel free to say, nope, that's a no-go zone. But have you felt like, and, you know, you described your parents have been married for over 50 years, and it sounds like a pretty idyllic uh, life growing up, but have you felt like there's been, um, you know, with your uh, your son kind of yeah. an opportunity to do any reparenting or have you already checked that box? Oh, absolutely. And I love talking about Noah. His name is Noah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. And I love my parents. They are two of the most wonderful people in this whole world. They've always were doing the best that they could with parenting. But one thing that I'm doing differently, which I think that we are all doing differently as a generation and, and parents these and days, is I allow my son to, I want him, and also I'm a therapist, but I want him to talk about his feelings. Like oh, I yeah. grew up with my mom saying, let it go, let it go. And it doesn't go anywhere. Where does it go? Yeah. So like this day, when I, except for the song, let it go, which I love. <laughs> but when someone says, if I just hear someone say, let it go, I like, I cringe because it, it, um, everything that I teach and everything that I've learned in my life is that you need, you can't get past something unless you go through it and it's, it's not going anywhere. So I allow, we have an atmosphere in our home where we allow Noah to feel comfortable and willing to be like, how was your day? And if there was something that wasn't so great, he'll share it with us. And I also want him to know that, um, and, and I do have, to be honest, I have a little hard time with this. I find myself, I want to love him unconditionally. I love him unconditionally. If he makes a certain choice of a certain color he chooses or things like that, or I think he should get this shirt over that shirt, I really try to, to not um, step in too much. And Brian yeah. helps me with that. So I'm human. Um, but that's something that I felt like for so many years, it took me a long time to trust myself and trust my God and trust my intuition because yeah. I, I was so unmatched with my parents that I felt like, ooh, do they know what's best for me? And so I really teach people to this and this younger generation and Noah to in, get empowered and to just whatever you feel is the best thing for you. And there is a fine line because until you your prefrontal cortex has been fully developed when you're 25 and maybe children don't know the best all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I do want to allow him that space to make his own decisions. Yeah. Well, I think, but what you just, I want to go back to what you were referencing. There's so much toxic masculinity in this world. I think I have two boys. I, I just, I feel like it's so important that we um, not only allow, but encourage boys to share and express their emotions. Right. And because really I feel like this whole idea of like the stoic man that doesn't cry, it's such bullshit. I mean, it's just bullshit, right? It's yeah. maddening me as a mother of sons. And my sons, you know, as Brian's met them, Jonas has met them. They're very animated and they're, you know, they'll show all their emotions, right? And I I am grateful for that. But it's heartbreaking for me, you know, when you have these grown men that were shamed to be like, don't be a, you know, P word. And yeah, boy, I mean, boys don't cry. What a load of horseshit. I mean, like, seriously, like, can we can we just like get in the real honest zone over here not to get on like too much of a tangent but it just you know Scott Galloway talks a lot about the crisis happening with men and boys and in part it's it's emotional and it's economic and I would say that we you know as leaders in the relationship space I think we really we do 
uh, a service to the world for all, especially all the parents out there and even the grown men who might feel like, why am I feeling so emotional? That's wrong. It's like, it's not wrong. It, you're, you know, like it's actually good because if you don't feel emotion or, or maybe grief or regret or any of those, like it kind of makes you a psychopath, doesn't it? Potentially. I mean, the thing is that you want to be fully formed human being and part of being a fully formed human being is being aware of your emotions and that that can be very, very healthy and you should embrace those fully because uh, that's how the learning happens, right? Uh, and what yeah. I love and observing your relationship with your boys is um, you've cultivated that sense of um, trust with them where they can be completely who they are and completely they can also, out of control. Is that what you're saying, Jonas? I was going to say complete, <laughs> completely, a little, uh, a little out of <laughs> completely boys. Uh, yeah. But they're also, they have a tenderness to, they could be strong and, and competitive as heck. And, but they also have a tenderness to them as well that I love. Uh, and you can just see that glow when they're with you. So I, I always yeah. appreciate it from my oh, standpoint. Thank you. Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're amazing. Um, so thanks. Yeah. And our last show, we got a little cameo of Alex. He was like, mom, when's the podcast starting? And he jumps in. They're at school now. So, you know, don't anybody hold How your breath. 10 and 13. <gasps> yeah. yeah. Well, one day, no, we'll have to meet them. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're, they're amazing. And oh. thanks Jonas for that. I mean, because it is, it's, it's like, woof, you know, it's cliche to say being a parent is the hardest thing you'll do, but I, it, it really is like, it really is. All right. I want to get to a couple other burning questions. Um, but thanks so much. This is so great. Um, speaking of relationships, um, I love to talk about the uninvited Buddha framework that I've been developing and the quick scoop there are our uninvited Buddhas are the people that have something really important to teach us. And typically we don't want to learn that lesson. So they keep, you know, they keep repeating uh, the lessons and they show up and we're resentful and um, resistant. And yet I can say this uh, for myself and many, um, you know, many instances along with the people that I coach and, and work closely with, those uninvited Buddhas in our lives are, I think of them as shamans, they're Sherpas that are lighting the way for us if we can just open our hearts and minds to that, I mean, genuinely sacred role, right? Back to the idea of the relationship is this forge if we allow it to be. But it's a lot of heat, a lot of light, a lot of pressure, a lot of hammering. So with that preamble, Jamie, who is the, or what, you know, number one among the top um, uninvited Buddhas that have really helped you transform um, in your life? Well, I think it, this is so flowy, this whole episode, because when I was saying that my mom would say, let it go, I was about mm -hmm. to bring this up, which is she would say that about my older brother. So I, mm -hmm. my older brother is my Buddha. So my older brother could not stand the fact that he wasn't going to be an only child. So mm -hmm. I was born and then my little brother was born and he just, it killed him. So ah. he was always very jealous of us and um, angry um, and not nice. You know, we were talking how, about how much time. older, just sorry to interject, but how much older is your older brother than you and your little brother? Three years. So we are, we're all three years apart. So they're okay. six years apart and me and my yep. older brother three years apart. Um, and so I, what I learned, and I'll get back into the story, but ultimately what I what I needed to learn from that experience was to love myself even more. And it is pretty amazing that even throughout him, let's say not, not being nice, not being the kindest older brother in the world, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I, as a child, was still able to, I was a little actress. I was always the star in the play, plays, school plays. I was a child model. I was in commercials and things like that. I was able to still excel in school. So it's like I had this confidence and this knowing within to still mm-hmm. follow my dreams and everything. However, I do feel like sometimes I, I feel like, well, what could I have? I could have been even more, you know, without that older mean brother at home. Um, regardless. And then I do also believe that it was a gift because, and this actually was a helpful thing for my mom. She would always say, do you know what? You're, you are, you're sensitive to other people because you would never want to hurt other people because he was not nice. And so perhaps that's where I yeah, became yeah. a therapist. I do have to say my first psychology class in high school, I could not sleep at night because of how excited I was. Nah. It was like it gave me the answers to life and it gave me an understanding. Oh, this is why my brother's being so whatever he was. Mm-hmm. And then to finish this up, I had to take this even deeper. So I had this mom. Okay. My dad, I didn't really, my dad didn't really have that much to say. He would just punish him. Um, I always wanted them to send him to like military school or just away from the house. And I was counting on the days till he went to college. So that's how much I didn't want to be in a house with him. But anyhow, oh. um, but now he's, he's, he is a wonderful man. All Brownstein's are great. Um, are you guys close now? Did you, did yeah, you repair now, the relationship? We have a beautiful relationship now. And so I'm going to get to that. So my dad didn't really do that much, but my mom would always say, let it go, let it go. And I would just, I would try, but I didn't, it wasn't until I got older in my own therapy, but really spiritual psychology school, where mm-hmm. I did this process. And in this process, I connected with his soul. And oh. I just, I mean, my, the compassion that I have for him. Mm. Oh, we need, we need uh, sound effects. Yay. Connecting with compassion. Yeah. I mean, it's like that whole, like, just to stop and say, oh my gosh, that act of really seeing Somebody, like, it is genuinely the greatest gift we can get. Like, genuinely the greatest gift. Like, I was getting messages from him uh, that was just, they were just saying, like, uh, how much he loves me. And he always Mm -hmm. has. And he's just, he didn't know how to act. Mm -hmm. And I know that his soul, um, I just feel like, in life has just struggled a little. I mean, he's he's happy and he's married and he has kids. But I just, um, I just have compassion for him. And, and... I am so grateful for my Buddha. Yay, I love that. Awesome. That's amazing that you had that, you know, that genuine opening experience for somebody that it sounds like caused you massive grief, right? And that's what's possible. That's, by the way, that's what's possible for freaking everybody. Thank freaking you. Freaking everybody and to that's do that. What, it is so important to share this message right now because everybody has an intuition. If everybody just gets quiet and everybody... I'm not saying you need to receive messages, but if you just get quiet, even just having cultivating compassion for that one who hurt you Mm -hmm. is available for everybody. And you free yourself, right, Jamie? That's how you free yourself. That's how you free yourself. This back to your whole point about intuition, which is fascinating, uh, is and quieting yourself to actually to be able to cultivate a sense of intuition, um, which is a very powerful tool, I would argue. Uh, as esoteric as it might sound, but we're dealing with energy uh, on every level of life, right? Consciousness, et cetera. Uh, but I, what I would 
come back to is, and what really resonates with me is that this can be cultivated, right? Uh, it can be a tool and that your book, while it's called Manifesting a Step-by-Step -step Guide to Attracting the Love that is Meant for You, it could also be a step-by-step -step guide to attracting the healing that is meant for you, right? Or the intuition that is meant for you. Yes. It's, it's all yeah. one and same. That's the point I want to make. <laughs> yeah, no, I love that, uh, Jonas. So um, we always love to ask here on Open Relationships, we love to ask for an unpopular opinion or two or seven in parentheses. Uh, you know, it can be for you around uh, dating or manifesting, but give us an un unpopular opinion. Okay, so I have two. One, once again, from the coaching from my younger brother 10 to 15 years ago, I'll be concise. So one <laughs> is I believe in relationships, we're speaking romantic relationships, that you don't need to cut the cord from a positive love from the past in order to sure. bring in the new love. And that is very unpopular because a lot of people say, you have to, and and my story, and I was just in New York last week, um, and I did an event at Soho House, and and during the discussion, um, the this anchor lady who interviewed me, and we were kind of in conversation, we talked about this, because um, she also had a similar experience, and there were questions from the audience about how do I how do I stop feeling for my ex? And I even had a client yesterday, and and so the truth is. You can't, we can't control our feelings, A. And B, I actually, what I learned is that you're, if you are lucky enough to have this experience in life where you fall in love, which doesn't happen every day, like true out of this world karmic love, you don't want to cut that off. It raised your heart bar. You know what it yeah. is now. You don't want to cut that off. You want to know that when that next person comes along that is really right for you, that you can identify. You don't want to, have to like start over. So your yeah. heart has been raised. I believe you don't have to cut the cord. Okay. Number one. And what's your number two unpopular opinion? And the second one is, because I've seen this happen. Um, I am not a fan of cheating. I don't think anybody's a fan of cheating. However, I've seen two things. A, I've seen couples that have experienced infidelity and it actually made them stronger. So it's one thing. Mm -hmm. And the second thing, which I've seen even more of, is that when someone, when there's infidelity in a relationship, and then they actually end up with that person, because you don't see that or hear that many times, because mm -hmm. that person really is their soulmate, the person they're supposed to be with. So I think that that can happen and, and does happen, where the person that you cheat with, you actually are supposed to be with. Oh, oh. interesting. Not all the time at all, yeah. but I have a question on the, the first point um, about the, you know, you don't have to let your past love go necessarily. Um, so I guess on a practical level, what does that look like? Do we mean literally like you're still texting your ex or do we mean like that that feeling that they gave you or and that you learned from that relationship? You shouldn't just like throw the baby out with the bathwater kind of thing. Yes, the the latter. Um I don't I don't think it's helpful to keep communication necessarily um, because energetically, as you know, Jonas was bringing up energy, energetically, it will take space up in your heart. So 
maintain the feeling. Nothing wrong with that because we can't control our feelings. Maintain the feeling, but don't necessarily maintain the actual relationship. I was going to say, yeah, there's going to be a lot of uh, uh, significant others that are not going to be happy with all these people like, oh, I'm going to text my ex. I'm supposed to have a good no, relationship with No, no. That's not what I'm saying. Thank you for clarifying. Well, the other, but the other one, the other pushback that I have is um, if you're thinking about that person, right? Okay, you're not texting, but there's maybe a little comparing happening, a little fantasizing, right? Is that, I mean, oh, you know, is that, is that allowed? It's allowed. It's, it's not healthy. It's not. It's more about literally just that feeling in your heart that you can recognize, but Mm-hmm. You're right. Comparing is not going to be helpful for your manifesting journey because you're looking for the feeling. This or something better for the highest good of all yeah. concern. But you're you definitely are not looking for that same person or else it would have been yeah. that person. Yeah. And you, you also want to live in the, the future, excuse me, in the present or the future, not the past. Right. I mean, isn't that a big piece of this? Because you're not moving backwards. We can't do that in terms of the continuity of time. We have to move forward and to move forward. We draw the lessons and love that we uh, discovered in that experience, and hopefully, we can we can create even more of that with the new relationship. Yeah, and just even going to your second point on popular opinion about infidelity, I know that can be a deal breaker. I've actually had this discussion with my girlfriends when I was a lot younger. It had been like, "That's a deal breaker. How dare he?" I feel like as you get older, you get a lot more practical. Right. And your your marriage wears on and it's hard. Um, gosh, I feel like Harville Hendricks and some of the greats talk about, um, OK, you, you know, you may be cheating with another human being or you may be cheating with your work. Right. You may be cheating with this thing that's distracting you from the marriage. Right. So I've been I feel like I've grown up a lot now. I'm pretty sure Sean Jay hasn't cheated. Let's hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just interesting. I think as you as you get older, you become um, I, I feel like your perspective, at least a lot of the friends that I've talked to, the perspective has changed. And I've had friends confess about what's going on. And, you know, and then there was like the big um, uh, the big um, confrontation. And exactly to your point, Jamie, it was like this, like there was this low level, like really toxic brew, but really low level, almost like carbon monoxide in the house and then it's like something had to give right something had to give and for some couples that's it game over the end but others it's really interesting to see because it's you know there's so you you and I were we were talking about this yesterday like there's so much fear like you're afraid to say how you really feel feel you're afraid to ask for what you want right all that fear you know creates that wall in the relationship and then you go and say all right I'm going to go you know, cheat on him with my work or with a new hobby or all these other things that don't involve him and or or another guy or another woman or whatever the case may be. And then when it's like you hit rock bottom, it can be the, all right, you know what? Now we have to be honest. So I think it's a good point, right? I mean, not that I want that for people, but if that's the breakthrough, right? Often that's where transformation occurs. You know, that really yep. scary thing that has to happen or you're, you know, you're just heads above the toxics do, you know, which is no way to live. Well, that's the thing, right? It's like healthy or, or like cheating doesn't come from a healthy relationship, right? Like usually you're, I mean, 99% of the time, I mean, like obviously there's exceptions to the rule, but mm-hmm. like usually you're missing something, you're not being treated the way you internally know that you should be and whether consciously or subconsciously, it's like a way of 
lashing out at, at like uh, being internally, you know, unhappy or unsatisfied with the relationship. And yeah. and yeah, sometimes like if it, again, not supporting cheating, but if that's the breakthrough that your brain needed to be like, oh, wow, I really was that unhappy or, you know, I don't have respect for this person, et cetera, that like I literally just cheated on them, like, you know, then that's your wake up call. Amen. I mean, I think that's a very evolved way to look at it. I applaud y'all for, for uh, approaching it this way. <laughs> I think... Jonas you... is like, give me a shotgun. Give me a shotgun. <laughs> that happens. Look, you know, I married Aladdin. Well, this is different. Um, I don't want to get shot here. Uh, but no, I mean, <laughs> we have a very loving relationship. I, but I'm just commenting generally, you know, I think for, for other folks, there are very hard red lines, right? Yeah. And there are lines that it's infidelity or trust that just cannot be broken. Yeah, uh, agreed. And can create situations that are beyond repair. I mean, I love the I love the evolved philosophy, but I also think there's also a, a counterpoint to that that you just don't want to uh, f with, if you will. I just want to add in that what I believe to be the most helpful thing in a relationship is, like Andrew, you were saying about our conversation yesterday, which is that if you have if you're not happy speak your mind you need to share open communication open communication without the fear that the relationship is going to end or how the person's going to react it doesn't matter it's more important that you are sharing and honoring how you're feeling because it can prevent a situation where there's cheating yeah yeah, I, I'm with you. I think that that can be really scary. I mean, I'm I'm with you. And it's like, how many of us, uh, Jonas, ask me how I'm doing. How you doing? I'm fine. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> like, fuck you. I'm fine. Right? I mean, excuse my language. But like, I mean, so you're right, Jamie. But in part, it, you know, it just, it feels like um, so many of us, need teachers and 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 the stories right i mean i'm a big believer in storytelling you know advice is great but so often storytelling to go oh you know in your tango we've got you know stories galore um it's amazing how many times a first person essay will engender endless uh um readers um to write back to us and say oh my gosh thank you for validating my experience and oh that helped me and oh that saved me Right. And so often it's that person that was just in the toxic stew that finally summoned the chutzpah to say, well, here's how I really feel. Right. But that can be scary because you can have your, you know, you know, like you, you can be you can be punished for it. So it's, well, it's, you know, I have it's a delicate thing. Right. I have I have a list of qualities of successful couples. And one of them is to have compassionate conflict resolution and Really mm -hmm. simply, that just means that you make this pact with each other, that you share whatever it is that you need to share, and the other person doesn't say, don't feel that way. They just validate it. They say, I don't yeah. even need to understand. I just validate how you're feeling so that you have this pact and you feel safe always. And sometimes I've had couples that I make them sign. It's like a cute thing. I make them sign this agreement. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love the conceit of it, but I'm going to push back on you, and I'm going to talk about my own relationship. There are times where I am trying so hard and, you know, more in the past, I'd like to say I've made some progress, but it's like, I, I, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not disagreeing. I'm not doing, you know, none of that, but my energy is so wrong 
right? That's a hard one, right? Because what, what you're saying is a million times yes, but if you don't, if in your heart, you're not really feeling that compassion, but you feel like you stupid idiot, like, can you just not, right? Even if you're not saying the words, that energy is radiating through you, right? So I always feel like it, it just goes back to, you know, the person, you know, each individual to say, let me give what I want. Like, let me really genuinely try, you know, the compassion that you channeled with your brother, right? Because I, I again, I love the theory, but to me, there's a massive gap between what I know in my head versus what I am capable as a human being of actually pulling off. Okay, but right? that's why I put in the piece, you don't have to understand him. All you have to do is yeah. validate how he's feeling or what he's saying. You don't have to yeah. understand. Because we're not always going to understand each other. That's yeah. it. People want to feel seen and heard. Just say, I hear you. Yeah. yeah. I don't have to understand. That's that. Oh, that's that. Okay. Okay. So that gets to my, that's my last burning question. Um, and I've been taking some notes. Um, but what is the number one thing you advise for your clients? And I'm going to recap the the takeaways that I've, you know, I feel like you've had some good ones, but what's the number one thing that you're telling clients to do to have thriving, compassionate, amazing relationships? Well, it's interesting because it's really what we were just talking about. Well, it's part of it, yep. which is always honor how you are feeling. Trust your intuition. Cultivate that intuition at the simplest level is that connection with yourself. Whether you are single, you're in a relationship, whatever you are dealing with in, in life, it is the greatest gift you can give to yourself to trust yourself and to be in your integrity. And to and that's it, period. You know the answer. You trust yourself. You don't need a million other opinions. It's so empowering. It's the most powerful thing in the world. Amen. I love that. I need cue the cue the the the, the clapping. We need that. I mean, because I will. I'm with you. Like that trust and integrity. Uh, it is. I feel like. I feel like I've got so many things to say at once. Just how important it is. But what it takes to cultivate that. So I love that you're part of the movement to say how important this is and that you teach people through your book and your you know your radio show and all the places where you're live because I'm with you when I think what is the number one thing each of us can do is have that sense of trust and integrity like those two go hand in hand and then you can be curious right and then you can say oh I hear you right you don't have all the you know that sort of inner turmoil that's causing so much grief and so much reactiveness. Like to me, the whole integrity and uh, trust thing, and they're different, but they go hand in hand. It's like this great clarifying solution, right? Like, okay, game on. I can take anything because I've just, I've got that, that core, that foundation. I love that. Yes. It stops the chaos. It brings peace to your mind and your heart and your soul, everything. It just brings peace to your life. Yeah. Amen. All right. Well, um, I'm going to recap. So that was the number one uh, takeaway from uh, Jamie Bronstein on our show today. The other two I have is, as we spoke about just a couple of minutes ago, when it comes to communicating, whether it's with your spouse or, or anybody, maybe that where there's a tendency for conflict is really just to say, I hear you. Even if you disagree, even if you're feeling a little like, you know, like your heart, heart rate's up or, you know, you're physiologically kind of getting a little uh, dysregulated, but to say, I hear you, um, that's a game changer and powerful. And the last thing, while you didn't say it this way, don't let it go, <laughs> right? The advice from like, yeah, let it go, let it go. Yeah. You know what? Sometimes you do need to 
to analyze and to, you know, to sort of sit with something, you know, I feel like this whole business for a lot of us, like stuffing the emotions, right? There's a lot of data around different, uh, you know, physiological illnesses are due to stuffing, right? Somebody's, I can't let it go. What do I do? I shove it down. And now I've got any number of physiological manifestations because I didn't know what to do with that. Right. So I, I kind of like that's a good unpopular opinion. You know, everyone else says, let it go. You say, don't let it go. No, no. I mean, right? in fact, if anything, I love, you know, the emotion will let go of you, not the other way around. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. You need you need to heal. Louise, hey, you can heal your life. She has a yeah. whole list because everything I do, every I do believe that our physical uh, dis diseases, diseases <laughs> are because <laughs> of what's going on emotionally. And I love it's it's fun. Like if my dad was his elbow was hurt. And so I, I looked up elbow and I gave him an affirmation or my mom just had knee surgery. I'm like, Mom, you need to bend and flex. You're like everything that it, and it, it, it made sense. Like everything that happens in our body is because of our emotional state. So, yeah, you're I love that you're adding this component. It's almost like a threat to yourself. You look at things heal yeah. or it could turn into and oftentimes it does turn into a physical ailment seeing eye issues what are you not seeing amen i love that well so much great insight and information and tips and takeaways thank you so much jamie bronstein um people can find people guests uh uh, viewers who am i even talking about um i need another coffee can find jamie at the relationship expert.com as well as on instagram and tiktok at the relationship expert. So Jamie, thank you so much. Really appreciate all the all the learnings and insight. Thank you so Love. much. One little note about the Instagram is that it's the relationship no. expert, but no E at the beginning of expert. So the relationship letter X P E R T. But yes, I TikTok got it. Oh, okay. and website. Expert spelled the way it's supposed to. <laughs> got it. All right, folks, that is the show. Thanks, every mu- everybody, for listening and tuning in. Um, oh, it's a lot to remember. What am I supposed to say now? Um, if you want, we want to hear from you, uh, email us at openrelationships at yourtango.com. Open relationships with all letters at yourtango.com. Uh, we, you know, questions about the show, things you don't agree with, things that you love. Let us know. We want to, we're here to serve you. I say that completely sincerely. We're here to serve. And keep tuning in. We've got amazing guests coming up. We've got Helen Fisher coming up. We've got Marianne Williamson coming up. I think we're going to get Stan Tatkin. And so we've got a lot of amazing guests that are going to join us to help open relationships and um, uh, transform together. So thanks, folks. See you next time. Drop a like in the comments and make sure to share the video as well. Uh, And and yeah, uh, let us know. Uh, Help out that algorithm. (laughs) What he said. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, (laughs) subscribe. Subscribe.